재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 It is time for must-read Korean book. Joining us today is Sarah Kwan. Sarah is a freelance interpreter based in Seoul. Hi, how are you? Hey, Jamie. Long time no see. Yeah, long time no see. <laughs> how you been? Well, I've been very good. And mm-hmm. I've just finished traveling around Europe because of um, mm-hmm. January was yes. my oh, vacation so, time. Yeah, it's very glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you have for us today? Well, I have brought a book, the latest by Yi Chang-ne. It's titled, On Such a Full Sea. Mm, On Such a Full Sea. So, um, can you tell us what it's about? The reason why I brought uh, this book is Mm -hmm. because we are um, a program that talks about Korean writing, right? Right, right. Literature. Mm -hmm. So, I was thinking about what the scope is for Korean-ness. And I think we should also include Korean-American writers, too. Oh, definitely. And as Asian-American writers are gaining more attention nowadays, I think they do bring a fresher perspective and sensitivity about race and about an outsider, what it is to the literary world mm-hmm. and um although chang ray lee is a pretty well-known well-established writer i would say in american literature there's also uh, lots of other people that we may not have heard of absolutely can you so, give us some examples um some of the top notch um korean american writers are nora okja keller mm-hmm. alexander chi mm-hmm. um chang nidi of course mm-hmm. and then there's also don lee and our very own sang park yes. who's on our show occasionally mm-hmm. so any reason you chose chang ray lee in particular this week Um, Because I fell in love with his first book, Native Speaker. Mm, Native Speaker, of course. I I read it my freshman year in college, and I think it won the uh, Penn Award. Yes, Mm -hmm. the Penn Award. Um, So to give you some background of the writer, Chang Nidi is a Korean-American novelist and a professor of creative writing at Stanford University. Uh, Lee was born in South Korea in 1965, and he emigrated to the United States with his family when he was three years old. And Lee described his childhood as a standard suburban American upbringing. Mm. So tell us more about Native Speaker, his debut novel. His first novel, Native Speaker, uh, which was published in 1995, won numerous awards, including the Hemingway Foundation Pen Award. And the novel centers around a Korean-American industrial spy, Henry, mm-hmm. exploring the themes of alienation and betrayal that are felt or perpetrated by immigrants and first-generation citizens. Mm-hmm. And what was it about the book that spoke to you when you read it? So I've always been very sensitive to these kinds of cultural differences Mm. and language Mm. barriers. Because when I came to Korea from the U.S., I was only 10 years old. So I had to relearn and reboot the whole language. Uh And because of my English, my pronunciation, although is native, because Mm -hmm. I was born there and lived there until I was 10, Uh all these expressions and idioms, vocabulary, I learned them all when I was in Korea. Oh, wow. So the way that I always felt like an outsider, Mm -hmm. but I was never included in Korea, Uh 
but I was never included in the U.S. also. So I was always very sensitive about the difference. And it kind of like, I guess I felt very self-conscious or sensitive about it. So that's why I poured more energy Mm -hmm. and time into really learning the English language to become a, Mm -hmm. you know, a native fluent speaker. Right. And Korean too, right? Yes, Because when you came back, you had to relearn, like you said uh, earlier, you had to relearn Korean in order to... um, be in school yeah absolutely so right, right. about for about two years uh-huh. i was so like um, ashamed of my pronunciation uh-huh. your korean pronunciation yeah because okay. it's very weird right and uh-huh. for about two three years i really just pondered and like you know pounded myself to really perfect uh-huh. my pronunciation oh, so that wow. kids wouldn't you know bully me uh-huh. wow but i feel like assimilation and, and the sense of alienation that um 1.5 generations feel in the in the course of moving back and forth is a very important topic that uh that korean american writers bring up in their stories Absolutely. So I really wanted to share this excerpt that I really liked in Native Speaker Mm -hmm. that talks exactly about that assimilation into the society. Okay. So it's page 12. Layla um, is actually his wife and she's talking to Henry, the main character, Mm -hmm. when they're first dating. Okay. So Henry is a Korean American? Yes, he's a Korean American. Okay. And what about Layla? Layla is um, Caucasian and she takes much pride in her uh, expertise in language because she's a um, a speech therapist and also a PhD student. Okay, all right, all right. You speak perfectly, of course. I mean, if we were talking on the phone, I wouldn't think twice. You mean it's my face? No, it's not that, she answered. She reached over as if to touch my cheek, but rested her arm instead on the bench back, grazing my neck. Your face is part of the equation, but not in the way you're thinking. You look like someone listening to himself. You pay attention to what you're doing. If I had to guess, you're not a native speaker. Say something. What should I say? Say my name. Layla, I said. Layla. See? You said Leela so deliberately. You tried not to, but you are taking in the sound of the syllables. You are very careful. So are you. She took a sip from the cup. It's my job, Mr. Henry Park. Unfortunately, I'm the standard bearer. That is such a horrible thing to say. I have to say. <laughs> yeah, this is that what is they're such talking. a horrible thing to say. I'm the standard bearer. I know. So oh my this goodness. is what their first date goes on. And then I like reading this. It was like, what is this? What is wrong with her? <laughs> No, there are better excerpts that depict her in a better, like, positive light. But yeah, but, like, the way she's talking about it, she says, your face is part of the equation, and of course he's going to be self-conscious because mm-hmm. English is not his first language, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so, and she's pointing it out by saying, you know, your face is part of the equation. You're so aware of how you're saying things. That is so horrible. (laughs) So I was like thinking, oh, I do that too Uh in both languages, actually. Uh And I was like, what is this native speakerness? Like, Uh what is it to like you know always be self monitoring yourself? Mm -hmm. And I could totally understand what Mm -hmm. Henry was going through. Right. Right. Well, let's take a look at today's book on such a full sea because race comes up in this book as well. So on such a full sea, which was published in 2014, is set in a dystopian future version of Baltimore, mm-hmm. Maryland. So it's called um, B-more. The B-more. Yes, yeah. B-more. And the main character, Fan, is a Chinese-American laborer working as a diver in a fish farm. Mm. It also was a finalist for the 2014 National Book Critics Circle Award. Mm-hmm. When you said um, labor working as a diver in a fish farm, it reminded me of Henyo or the women divers in, yeah. in, on Jeju Island. I wonder if that's a reference to that. But can you tell us a little bit more about the plot of the book? So the plot, it's several generations after right now and um, it's in, based in the U.S. But it's so... Um, the world has been degenerated because of the environment pollution. Mm, mm-hmm. And you can see that it's pretty much a new dystopian future. Mm. Um, Fan is a Chinese-American laborer who is very industrious and smart, and she's physically um, more superior than many people, too. Mm-hmm. And it starts around where her lover, Reg, disappears all of a sudden without any kind of notice. Mm. And so she sets out on a journey to find Reg. Mm-hmm. But that too is not really correct because um, she doesn't talk a lot and the narrative doesn't know why she actually leaves the town and what's going on. Okay, so that part is kind of kept mysterious. Yes. Okay, yes. okay. So you have brought in some excerpts for us that describe Fan's job as a diver. Oh, this was really beautiful. Um, these excerpts are about her diving in and what she feels. And uh, the most thing that stood out is about isolation. Okay. Once submerged, a diver is not easily seen. Given all the fish in the water, naturally as many healthy fish are raised as possible, she is a mere shadow among them, trained to do her tasks quickly and unobtrusively. That is why she uses no special breathing apparatus aside from a snorkel, compressed gases causing too much of a disturbance. Fearful fish are not happy fish. So it sounds like she is very considerate of the fish that she tends to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she's a very loving character. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end, when she leaves the town, she actually kills all of her fish oh, in the tank. No. So it's like <laughs> she's never, yeah, she's never returning or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, what is the next excerpt mm-hmm. you have for us? She once told us that she almost preferred being in the tanks than out in the air of Beemore That she liked the feeling of having to hold her breath and go against her nature, which made her more aware of herself as this mere lone body. 
in the hour or so after the shift, with no more tasks to be done. She will she would pull her knees to her chest and drift to the bottom and stay there in that crouch until her lungs screamed for forgiveness. She wasn't inviting oblivion or even testing herself, but rather summoning a different kind of force that would transform her, but also the composition of the realm, make it so the water could not harm her. I actually had a very similar kind of experience when I went diving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a diver yourself, right? Uh, I just went <laughs> once, once, but okay. um, I used the like you know gas tank and the breathing mask and everything. Mm-hmm. But so I'm different from Fan. She's an expert, mm-hmm. but it's very different because there's no up. Or down, no sense of direction, and you're very disoriented. Mm-hmm. Just endless sinking. If you don't use that um, equipment, mm-hmm. you just sink to the bottom uh-huh. and so silent. So, if you would commit um, like a perfect murder, I think that would be the great way because your body—is <laughs> that where your mind goes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. But um, like the body would just sink to the um, bottom of the ocean, never mm-hmm. be seen or no sound yeah. at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it sounds terrible. It may sound terrifying to some the idea of, of endless sinking and and arriving at this very very silent place. But I can also see how that would be comforting. Mm, right, yeah. all that silence. Yeah, the she kind of goes into this fetal um, pose. Mm, right? right, right. So, why this dystopian setting? Can mm. you tell us what kind of place Beemore is? Yes, I brought an excerpt about that. Workers in the Grove facility regularly become romantically involved. There is no rule or code against it, and there are probably dozens of families in our part of Beemore. Originating from such unions, we ourselves derive from a row of first generations of growers. This well before the fish tanks were laid in. Stability is all here in Beemore. It's what we ultimately produce, day by night, um, nights by day. Both what we grow for consumption. And how we are organized in neighborhood teams, the bonds of blood or sexual love, relied on equally to support our constitution. In this difficult era, the most valuable commodity is the unfailing turn of the hours, and how they retrieve for us the known harbor of yesterday. So the the part in that excerpt that spoke to me was stability is all here in B more. It's what we ultimately produce. So it it actually reminded me because uh, it also talks about how the village is made up of um, of blood relations. It reminded me of of Chipsongchon in Korea. The Chipsongchon, as in um, villages where people from the same clan, like the same last name, mm-hmm. they all live together for generations. We still have places like that in Korea. Yes, and in China too. So this is a small like fisher village that is pretty much 
um, a community of just a few clans, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I also noticed that filial piety is is an important concept that comes up in in this book. And I also noticed that the story is narrated in the first person plural voice. It's like we this, we that, and um, it it represents and speaks for the people of of Be More. Can you tell us more about the we? Yeah, so this part is um, something that really, you know, catches your attention right from page one or two. Mm-hmm. And um, Chang Nedi really emphasized on that, that he wanted, whenever he writes a novel, he likes to go into the characters, uh, especially when it comes to a community. What are mm-hmm. they thinking? Mm-hmm. And so this first person narrative that is also plural talks about what be more that community is thinking. Mm-hmm. And you've brought in an excerpt on um, the we explaining themselves, right? Yes. Maybe charters can easily forget what it's like out there, but we be moors and to others in similar settlements should be aware of the possibilities. We shouldn't take for granted the security and comfort of our neighborhoods. We shouldn't think that always leaving our windows open and our doors unlocked means that we're beyond an encroachment. We may believe our gates are insurmountable and that we're armored by routines, but can't we be touched by change or fate, plucked up like a mouse forging along his well-worn trail? We have kept the community curbstone by curbstone. We have not allowed anyone to shirk his duties or her duties or to become lazy and dependent. Be more works because we work. Our sense of purpose driving us that extra measure, that extra hour, and then, of course, the knowledge of what's out in the countries. And what it used to be like here before the originals landed, refueling use whenever we flag. Mm. It sounds like there's a very acute awareness of of the fragility of their community in this excerpt. And it actually makes me wonder what kind of horrors they saw that led to such rigid rules for protection. <laughs> Yes, this is a dystopian period, so Mm -hmm. um, pretty much out of the charter towns and these kind of um, villages where they have um, factories or um, that are very industrious. Mm -hmm. Other than that, it's pretty much like um, eat dog, eat dog kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So tell us more about the the main character that we mentioned earlier, Fan. So you said that she leaves supposedly to find her lover because because he disappears, but then that's not very clear. So how does Fan do on her journey? So she deviates from the system and is one of the first penguins that does does so, leaving mm-hmm. Beemore, uh-huh. and she sets an inspiration to everyone in Beemore. Oh, and okay. so I brought her, but she's rather detached from being this kind of heroine for everyone else, and so I brought an excerpt to explain that. Okay. She did not, in fact, miss the people of her household, even though they were her beloved this including her mother and father, who were perfectly fine parents, but no more, no less dear to her than her aunts and uncles. 
her nieces and nephews and in-laws, for in essence, everybody was like a cousin, which is the way we wish it and so cast it, which is how we certain be more functions best. She realized that if she didn't miss anything, it was the household itself, the narrow, high-ceilinged rooms whose air was layered with the aromas of stale cooking oil and the earthly gas of trooped footwear lined up inside the front door. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like what Fan misses um, is the space itself, the feeling of of being loved by her family and being surrounded by the family more than the rigid rules of the larger community. And of course, as individuals, that is um, what you would connect with the most rather than ideology. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that is about all we have time for today. And thank you, Sarah, so much for bringing in this great book today. Thank you. Bye, bye guys. Bye. Coming up next is David's bookmark. But first, here's Joanna Wang. Wild World.